Awakened Reality Podcast, JFK Assassination. I have a beer to show you, by the way. Oh, nice. This is called Zombie Dust. <laughs> have you been at the co-op again, Bill? Yes, I have. Uh, this is a, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, it's undead. It's an undead pale, <laughs> pale ale. Uh, you know, it's a six and change uh, percent alcohol, but it's got some cool art on it. You know, it's, I'm not really a goth kind of person, but, you know, um, it tastes pretty good. I'll let you know once I finish the can. What about you? So I'm shocked, Bill. You've been you've shown up like two or three weeks in a row with IPAs, double IPAs, I'm guessing. But still, what happened? Did you get converted, bro? I, I gotta tell you. Well, you know, I I was out to dinner with a friend of mine and her and his wife two days ago, and he's like, uh, I go, I love. I don't know what it is. I love double IPAs, you know. And he's like, Well, he goes, because it's got a lot of freaking alcohol in it. <laughs> And I was like, well, it might be it, actually. But well, double, is, I don't... If you live oh. in New, New Hampshire or Vermont, that's it's great to like that because we make the best double IPAs in, in the world. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And it's so different. It I probably so just different. pissed off a whole mess of people by saying well, that. Nah, nah, that's okay. I mean, the people they, out in Seattle are like, that's not true. They still love us, man. Yeah, they no, still like, love us. And they make great uh, double IPs out there as well. So we're on YouTube. For, apparently, everybody just listens to us. Um, yeah. But you could be looking at us as well, which really adds a yeah. lot to the yeah. experience. Yeah, because yeah. we are we are kind of amazing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just 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 ask our wives and our moms. <laughs> <laughs> so should we talk yes, about sir. should we talk about the JFK assassination tonight, Bill? Well, you know, that's what people are waiting for. They, I'm sure that they dig our, our uh, wonderful banter, but uh, mm. I think it's time to get down to business. Okay. I always edit all this out. Well, all, all of your banter. I keep my banter. <laughs> you, bastard. You, ba <laughs> you banter bastard. <laughs> all right. So let's see. You, we were, you banter basher. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, we were talking about, um, we were continuing our discussion about Oswald um, yes. pre-assassination. So kind of what he was up to um, prior to the assassination. We went through some of that during our last um, our last episode, our last podcast. Um, but now we're going to talk a bit about Oswald's dealings with the FBI. So, uh, you know, what yep. what was the FBI doing? I think before we were talking about um, his connections with the CIA just prior to the assassination. Now we're moving on to the mm -hmm. FBI. Yep. So the FBI really kept fairly close tabs on Oswald. Um, they interviewed him. Um, about three weeks after his return from Russia. And um, they reported that Oswald denied that he ever told State Department officials at the American embassy in Moscow that he was going to renounce his American citizenship and apply for so Soviet citizenship. And he also denied that he had, that he had um, told the State Department that he intended to reveal radar secrets to the Soviets. Yeah. So this well, is, I mean, you know, everybody knows that knows, you know, that Lee Harvey Oswald uh, was in fact part of the false defector program. <laughs> so that being the case, why would he 
<laughs> Why would he agree with anything that they tried to ask him about something? FBI is against the CIA. CIA is against the FBI. They don't share anything. Hoover wants to hide everything. That's mm-hmm. uh, like a filter fish. Who knows? Eh? Anyway. Yeah, so here's a, it's a disagreement between the State Department in Moscow and Oswald. The State Department said that he did say those things. Oswald told the FBI that he didn't. Yep. Um, and and why did why did wait three weeks? I mean, you know, they're in the middle of a freaking cold war. You know, American comes back from freaking Russia from Russia. Mm. You know, I mean, like like easy. You know, and it doesn't really. I mean, I guess if they were down there and they grabbed them and they tried to talk to them right after, it might you know make people think. Mm. Who knows? Yeah. You know, Maybe they wanted to follow him around for a couple of weeks before they spoke to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's funny when you you watch when you watch. I watch every movie ever made about you know. JFK, and they had this one, it was called, uh, which one was it? 1960, or November 22nd, 1963, that one with, uh, what's his name? Not John Frank, John Franco. Anyway, he, he uh, they showed him getting off the plane, you know, uh, in the United States from Russia, and, and he's mm-hmm. looking out the window to see if the crowds are there waiting to, <laughs> waiting mm-hmm. to say, oh my God, he's back. <laughs> I kind of don't think, yeah. <laughs> I bet he was like that. He was, I think you he think was so? A, um, well, I don't know. What do I know? Yeah, I mean, who knows anything really? I mean, you know, unless you were there, you know. I mean, it's just, but I, I mean, I could see him, but not being as mad. You know how, like, you know, Hollywood would be like, you know, yeah, like Oswald's character was like, oh, what the hell? Ah, where, where is everybody? He's like, all right, ah, I'm upset. <laughs> oh, stop! What are you, Kim Kardashian? Not saying Kim Kardashian <laughs> is bad. I don't know anything about the Kardashians. I've never seen the show. I don't know. I just know that they're fashionistas, right? Like they. Uh... Did you say fascist? Fascists? No, they're they're fascist, fascist, fascist. They're, they're fashion fascists. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. They're probably why. wonderful. I've never seen them. Um, so during this interview with the FBI, um, Oswald supposedly was arrogant, intemperate, impatient, um, and he refused to. An- there are a bunch of their questions that he refused to answer. He refused yeah. to take a polygraph test. Uh, another interesting question is why do they want him to take a polygraph test? Maybe they're asking him, like, what did you do? Like, did you, st- did you sell state secrets to the Soviet Union? Answer yes or no. And then they check his pulse. I mean, I don't know. What do you think they were ask- wanted to ask him? Yeah. About yeah. So it's, 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 it's up in the air, you know? They could. The thing is, is, is Hoover knew about him. <laughs> it's not like it's not like these guys are like, hey, who's this? Is a uh, Lee Harvey, Harvey Oswald guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, the only reason they would even try to think about questioning him like that is mm-hmm. if a who you know they weren't privy and they were it was too decompartmental or compartmentalized for these particular agents to know about him and mm-hmm. they didn't know, you know, and that's that's a probable. So they had to go through the whole rigmarole. But the, the uh, I think the key here is so Oswald was arrogant. Mm-hmm. If look, <laughs> I don't know about you, man, but if somebody who's just doo, 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 minding his own business, right, going down the street with his wifey from from Russia, from Russia, you know, the Russian bride he got, you know, on the mail in order bride stuff, you know, no internet back then, you know, so he goes and gets his bride, comes back. Next thing you know, the FBI is you know talking to him. Wouldn't that scare the shit out of you? <laughs> I mean, if you didn't know that you were you were um, you had some you had, somebody had your back. Mm-hmm. Would you be like, no, I refuse. Screw you. I'm arrogant. Da, 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 right? He knew. He knew and he knew exactly what the deal was. Even when he was being pulled in for the Tippett murder, mm-hmm. 
he's like, I'm Apache. I'm Apache. He knew. He knew. Like, you look at somebody when they say something like that, and you look at his face, you get this feeling like the kid was like, man, I didn't think these guys would do this to me. <laughs> well, I bet when he was being interviewed by the FBI, he didn't think he was a patsy. I oh, think no, that... no, no. He's the man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't mess with me. I, I, I knew your boss's boss. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Powers were be with that B were like, yeah, go ahead. Keep talking, asshole. Keep talking. <laughs> we'll have our day. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there he was, was he was there. So there was a second FBI, FBI interview with Oswald that took place in August of 1962, um, two months from after the first one, and uh, the FBI thought that was a more successful interview. They thought that he was more a little bit more compliant, and uh, you know, there was there were no bombshells dropped during that interview. But they they said, okay, well it's a fine interview. We're okay with him, I guess. And and you know what, honestly, I mean. Who knows how many people during that era, during that 20 year, even 20 year time when the FBI or the CIA for that matter, but probably more on the FBI side, talked to so many people that they thought might have had dealings with communists or, you know, uh, uh, Castro people, you know, or whatever that we don't know about. So them getting a hold of Oswald and asking them questions could really mean Nothing. And you can turn around and say, well, how come the FBI didn't think about this when, you know, well, not what are they going to do, like throw a dart, you know, at a, at a list of people and go, oh, we're going to look at that guy for the JFK assassination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there had to be more than one, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, they didn't take it as a big deal. I'm sure they didn't. You know, why, why, you know, why would they? Which proves that, you know, uh, you know Hoover didn't tell a damn person, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that had anything to do with it. You know? Anyway, yeah, moving forward. Um. So on August 10th of 1963, this is um, a full year later, FBI Special Agent John L. Quigley asked, mm. asked um, a bureau file clerk named William Walter to pull um, any, any files that they had on Oswald. Now this William Walter found that Oswald's files were classified as, quote, informer type informer <laughs> and so is that a cia informer or an fbi i would i would think that would mean fbi informer because these are fbi files you know those those intelligence agencies pass informers around like i used to in high school with girls man <laughs> oh <laughs> okay <laughs> well how you're passing them back and forth amongst yourself <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's I didn't say they were real girls, Steve. I, I just said, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, Quigley, uh, the special agent, um, went to a New Orleans jail and interviewed Lee Harvey Oswald for nearly an hour. Maybe this was after his Oswald's fisticuffs after that, you know, yeah. demonstration. Um, he wrote like a, a regular, typical FBI report. But his report contained um, false information provided by Oswald. So Oswald had given him um, an account of his pro-Castro political stance, which we've discussed whether that was real or not. But he also gave him information about various activities he had, he had undertaken, which, you know, weren't, weren't necessarily true. Um, and so this might, again, be part of Oswald trying to build himself up as a big pro-Castro person. Um, 
Look, I, I don't, I, and just as a side note, quick, I don't think, honestly, my gut feeling is, and this just comes from years of like, you know, researching all of this stuff. I really don't think, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that Oswald ever did anything on his own. I don't think this guy like made the call. I, I never think, I, I just don't think he's that guy. I think that Oswald was one of those guys that said, that was sat down and said, look, if somebody says this, this is what you do. If somebody says this, this is what you do. Do not fuck it up. <laughs> Trust me. I don't think he was that kind of guy to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to make my own decision, and here's what I'm going to do. Hey, look, I had to throw a, I had to throw a bomb. Hail Mary. I mean, I, no, he's not that guy. He's just not that guy. No, no way. Not a chance. Yeah. So he'll, he'll lie his ass off, you know, but he's only lying because he's told to. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I yeah. think you're, you're probably correct. Um, so during this interview, Oswald showed the FBI agent his membership card for the Fair Play for Cuba committee. Uh-huh. And, um, and he also gave him some of the Fair Play for Cuban committee literature or pamphlets, which he had- What if they had an address on, on those anywhere? Yeah, it did have an address. The address was 544 Camp Street, New Orleans, <gasps> Louisiana. Have you heard of that, that uh, location before? Can you remind our viewers what was going on there? I believe that uh, that that was the office uh, uh, for the uh, anti uh, uh, Castro people, whatever the pre pre Castroites or whatever you call them. And also, it was um, happened to be the same exact address of Guy Bannister's uh, Guy Bannister's office. Yep, Guy Bannister mm-hmm. and his group of anti Castroites. Um, yep. The address which had been used by the Cuban Revolutionary Council. Um, and, uh, and also, um, E. Howard Hunt had worked closely with that, um, yeah. Cuban Revolutionary oh, yeah. Council. And, so and I, by the way, a, a little side note, Guy Bannister was not happy about that mistake because that was a mistake. That was not planned. Mm-hmm. Guy Bannister, when he found out, was about to pistol whip the shit out because <laughs> you know guy banister you might not know i do know this he carried his big ass gun with him all the time it was just like it's like the moth handled three or moth covered three handled family gradunza you know that the cat in a hat you know would walk around with but it was uh-huh. his gun that was his thing right uh-huh. but uh yeah yeah he was not happy that that happened because that was one of the reasons that you know the uh what's his name there uh the, the big old lawyer that took it all over tried to get you know something against banister because they were the same address and operated out of the same spot. So, yeah. So I find this whole thing amusing where, you know, Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald is saying, Oh, I, I'm part of this fair play for Cuba committee, this, this pro Castroite group. And we're based out of four, four, four camp street, new Orleans. <laughs> but then at the same time in that same house, you have yeah. the Cuban revolutionary council, which is a pro cat. Yeah. Like how big, it, it's just amusing. Like, were they like next door to each other and glaring across the hallway? You know, I don't think so. Right. There was only one there and it was the pro. Uh, right? Yeah. You know, I honestly, I, I think that I could have been it. That could have been it. But I do know that questions were asked on interviews with certain people that were there and they were like, Oswald's always here. It's like, he's living here. It's like, he's mm-hmm. always here. You know, and he's seen not only talking with Guy Bannister, he's like David Ferry was there, mm-hmm. you know, Sparky was there, you know, uh, you know, and, and the anti-Castro Cubans were there at, on occasion. So it's not like, you know. So it was, I mean, it was an anti-Castro yeah. Oh, yeah. operation. It was, 
in yeah. that in that building, right? There yeah. wasn't a yeah. pro. Uh, a, 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 well, to, believe it or not, Steve, the there the uh, well the office for Guy Bannister mm-hmm. also was a private detection, private detective service. Uh-huh. Now, so that I think was the front because he had a guy that was there that was that would do all the detective stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they could use that as the cover as the front. Yeah. For this Castro thing, so okay. you know. It, People would want to go in and say, hey, I need somebody to see if my wife is screwing around on my back, behind my back. And the guy's like, uh, me no habla ingle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, wait a minute. What's going on here? Anyway, that's not Puerto Rican, but that was pretty bad. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, that's just kind of fascinating to me. Um, <clears throat> so there's another FBI agent, James P. Hosty Jr. And he was um, he was the person who's... Um, name, license plate number, telephone number, and office mm-hmm. address would eventually be found in Oswald's address book after the yep. assassination. Yeah, it's been alleged that uh, James Hosty was his handler. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also some speculation that um, that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was headed to the um, to the uh, theater to meet Hosty. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the FBI um, initially concealed the fact that um, Hostie's name and information had been found amongst Oswald's um, mm-hmm. items. They, they didn't share that with the Warren Commission. Yeah, of course. Why would they, Steve? It, and it's also, uh, you know, it's also interesting, you know, here's why they didn't, you know, because, well, if they did, they'd find out what was in the note, Right. I'm sure we're getting to that, right? We're probably, I mean, I, I think I read somewhere in there where they got to the fact that, uh, you know, Lee Harvey didn't like the fact that the FBI was, you know, intimidating his wife and always going to ask her questions, mm-hmm. you know. But I think it also was part of the fact that he wanted to go down and find out what the hell was going on. He wanted to get some information about what he was supposed to do. Yeah. He, he's, he said, I want to leave this note for this guy, you know. And now, now the, the lady behind the, the desk, whatever her name was, and she was, uh, you know, interviewed and, you know, said, well, yeah, he gave me, he gave us a letter that had um, some really violent things in it. She didn't really get into it, but was it the fact that he said, I'm going to kill the president or was it, oh, I'm going to bomb the FBI office or was it, you know, don't go to my, you know, or I'll go to the authorities. That's all up speculation. Why? Because there is no note, even though it's been acknowledged that there's a note and the FBI has admitted that there's a note, there is nope. no note. We Why? don't have the note. <laughs> right. Because James Hosty was told to get rid of the note, mm-hmm. and he did. So, yeah, yeah. How do you prove anything then? Well, you kind of don't. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. let's talk you about that don't. note. Um, it wasn't brought to public attention, I, I believe, until August of 1975. 1975, yeah. <laughs> when the Dallas Times-Herald reported that it had recently learned. How do they learn this, you know, 12 yeah, years yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, oh, no, mind we- you. After the letter's already destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh, we, we suddenly found out. By the way. <laughs> I don't know how, but they learned yeah. that, two, that um, two weeks before the JFK assassination, Oswald had hand-delivered a note to the Dallas FBI office, sure. and the note had been destroyed after the assassination, which is yeah. odd. Because at that point, if you have a note from Oswald, you know, maybe you destroy it. Like you're like, oh, you know, this guy's a nobody before the assassination. Maybe you're like, oh, you know, whatever, just getting rid of stuff. But I mean, after the assassination, and he's one of the most famous people in the country by that point. And then you find a, a note that he had written. 
and you're like, oh, I think I'm going to destroy it. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, and, and, and here's here's another way to think about that. Why, if you're the FBI, would you not want to use that note right after the assassination to prove that he was violent? Yeah, that's true. You're right. If if it if it if it <laughs> right? fit with the um, if it fit narrative, with sure. the narrative, they would have used yep. it. But apparently, it maybe it didn't. And um, no, well, what that means, what that tells me, Steve, the reason why they didn't. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're using your logic and your critically thinking brain, which we say like 4,000 times a day, mm -hmm. what would be in that to make them want to get rid of it after the assassination? Well, that's a good, that's a really good point because I mean, I have in the notes where they, they, the, um, the receptionist, a uh, Nancy Fenner. That's um, the one. She, she said uh, that um, uh, the letter said something like, this was her quote, what she thought it said, let this be a warning, I will blow up the FBI and the Dallas Police Department if you don't stop bothering my wife. And so that's what she said, but but that's a good point you make. If that's what it said, why would they have, why would it have been destroyed? It kind of fits yeah. with what they're trying to say about him. Well, no you know, maybe it was, it. maybe when I think about it, it's because they said, we don't want to have, we don't want to be associated with anything Lee Harvey Oswald. We don't want to be associated with anything prior to the assassination with Lee Harvey Oswald, because then, ah, that's bad, right? That's so a good point. Get, you know, maybe just get rid of it because of that. Maybe they thought like, oh, well, if we admit that we have, we got this note two weeks before the assassination and we didn't yeah. do anything with it, it makes us look bad. Yeah. I mean, obviously they, obviously they could black it all out and they could not let us see it for 30 years like everything else or 60 years like everything else. Mm -hmm. But but the thing is, is I honestly think what was in that letter, I honestly believe that Hosty was his contact person, was his handler. Okay. And I honestly believe that this letter was like, okay, what's going on? What do I need to do? I need to have some kind of guidance. Let me know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's why they got rid of it. Because they really don't want to see that on a piece of paper after that shit. Well, well, hosty. You know? Is it hosty or hosty? Hosty. It's hosty. Yeah, it's hosty. Yeah. So his account of the letter is quite different than um, the receptionist's. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. He said that the letter said, quote, if you have anything you want to learn about me, come talk to me directly. If you don't cease bothering my wife, I will take appropriate action and report this to the proper authorities. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? I believe that just about as much as I believe that this note actually said, hi, my name is Elma Fudd. Mm -hmm. I own a mansion and a yacht. I am a millionaire. <laughs> uh -huh. No, it didn't say that, man. There's no way it said that. Well, that's you garbage. Think that's actually a, like when we think about the two considerations, one where you don't want it to look like you had a close connection with Oswald in terms yeah. of your, if you don't want to look like you were Oswald's handler. And if you don't want to look like you didn't act on a note that was, you know, written in a violent way, then you yeah. write something like this where he, 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 in, in Hostie's account, Oswald makes clear. It, it sounds like a letter that somebody would have written to somebody that you don't know very well, <laughs> and, but he's not violent in it. So it kind of walks that line, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, again, any anything to 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 make it look like you know uh, it was really nothing at all, right? Mm -hmm. But again, why if it was nothing at all, would they rip it up and get rid of it? Why would Hostie's boss get pissed 
when the guy tried to rip up the note and throw it in trash. He's like, no, I don't want it in the trash. I want it out of here. <laughs> the guy had to take it out of the office and flush it down the toilet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. You know, well, we're going we're gonna to talk about this soon, about, well, not really soon, about how, how uh, paperwork has been told, has, someone have, has told people to actually rip up or burn and or burn their notes on really serious, specifically serious information about JFK stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. where their, their bosses just go, yeah, uh, your notes that you wrote out, yeah, you want to burn those, okay? <laughs> oh, nothing's going on, no. There's, I mean, you know, it's normal. You know, it's normal. I mean, hasn't anybody told you to just go ahead and burn important shit? <laughs> I, don't, you know, I don't know. Just throw it out there, you know. But it was, but it was a lone gunman. <laughs> So there was, there's actually a, or there was a disagreement between Hostie's boss, a man named Gordon Shanklin, and mm-hmm. Hostie about what happened with the note. <clears throat> so according to Hostie, Hostie said that within hours of the assassination, he was called into um, the office of his boss, the special agent mm-hmm. in charge, J. Gordon Shanklin. Hostie, Hostie, sorry, Hostie, said Shanklin was visibly, quote, agitated and upset and <laughs> wanted to know about the Oswald note, which apparently he knew, already knew about the note, this Shanklin guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, <clears throat> after Oswald had been killed, Shanklin again called in Hostie to talk about it. Hostie said that Shanklin produced the Oswald note right from his desk drawer and said, <clears throat> Oswald's dead now. There can be no trail here. Get rid of this. Although I don't know if he wants to get rid of it. Couldn't he have torn it up himself? That's the other thing, which is weird. Um, well, I mean, think about what he just said. I mean, if you're saying he's dead now, there's no, there's nothing to trace. Why would he have kept the letter if there was? He didn't say there's nothing to trace. He said there can be no trail here. Well, well, get rid of this. Well, that's okay, what Hostie okay. said. Oh yeah. There can be no trail. Okay. Well, he must've known that somebody was, was upset that there might be. Yeah, but it's interesting that why why ask Hostie to tear it up? Other than maybe he was trying to say, oh, well, anyway, let me just finish reading what yeah, this is. Yeah, and yeah. We can talk about it. So yeah. Shanklin said <coughs> to Hostie, Oswald's dead now. There can be no trail. Here, get rid of this. He gave the note to Hostie. Hostie yeah. tore it, began to, t- began to tear it up. But Shanklin cried out dramatically, no, get it out of here. I don't even want it in this office. Get rid of it. And, sa- and Hostie said he took the pieces of the note to a nearby restroom and, quote, flushed it down the drain. Now, knowing what we know now, Steve, I mean, if I were in the FBI or the CIA, <clears throat> of course, you wouldn't be able to do that now because there's, like, cameras all over the place. And, you know, you, you don't even, you know, in those offices, I'm sure now you can't do anything. But back then, if you had your mind about you, I'd say, yeah, I'm going to rip it up. I'll be right back. I'm going to bring it over here and I'm going to stick it in my back pocket <laughs> and I'm going to hold on to it for the rest of my life just in case something comes back on me. <laughs> right. But this, this whole thing doesn't make sense to me because if I'm Shanklin, unless he's a complete idiot, okay, which may be the case, you never know, but let's assume that he's not. So he <laughs> has this note, which he's apparently terrified of because he's saying like, I don't even want it here. Get rid of it. Blah, 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 blah. So it's something which may be the most, the document which he's most scared of. Mm 
Are you going to take that document, hand it to somebody and be like, okay, go off with it where I can't see you. I can't see what you do with it and just trust him to get rid perhaps of it? it. Perhaps it's plausible deniability. Maybe he didn't know it was in the note and maybe, maybe his boss mm-hmm. was pissed off at him. Usually I think when you got this compartmentalized, you know, information stuff, his boss is going to get pissed at him. He's going to get pissed at hosting, mm-hmm. but neither one of these guys wants to touch that shit. <laughs> I don't want to know about it. I don't want to see it. I want to wash my hands. I'm telling you to get rid of it. I don't want to know what's on it so that if I get asked the question, I could say, I didn't know what was on it. I had no idea. Uh-huh. I had no Maybe. idea. Maybe. So he wanted, he wanted it on the record that yeah. Posty was the one who destroyed it. Is that what you're saying, perhaps? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah. again, this is, about, Ho- you know. this is Hosty's account. And Shanklin denied, later on, denied ever even knowing anything about the note. Well, then there you go. Right? So that, that means one thing, right? That means that, well... He lied. <laughs> Shanklin or Hosty? Somebody lied. Shanklin. Shanklin lied. Shanklin yeah. lied. Hell yes. Probably. Probably yep. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, Host, hey. maybe Hosty's telling the truth about that, like that interaction then. Who knows? Hosty got shanked. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, oh, boy. <clears throat> yep. So the Assassinations Committee in 1979, um, they said that, quote, they, they quote, regarded the incident of the note as a serious impeachment of sh- both Shanklin's and Hostie's credibility in that it, quote, was not possible to establish with confidence what the note's contents were, obviously because it was in the toilet. Yeah, but you know what? And, and I'm sure that was part of the reason why in 1979, I think it was when they said, well, we believe that... Uh, we can't prove that it was a conspiracy. We believe it was. <laughs> I mean, what kind of what kind of what kind of wuss move is that? Mm-hmm. You know, even though we can't prove it, we believe it is. Really, really. Okay. All right. So speaking about you're talking about Shanklin's boss and Shanklin's boss's boss. Well, William Sullivan, who was the director of FBI domestic intelligence operations from 1961 through 1971. What I had thought he was James Bond, but he was fat and he was nothing like James Bond and people in the office used to make fun of him about it. (laughs) James Bond, in real life, James Bond might've been fat. Yeah, well, I mean, but you know what I'm saying? It's like the James Bond character that that he's thinking that even though he was basically that guy, Uh he just wasn't that guy. (laughs) There was no money penny for him, okay? It was like, you know, (laughs) he had penny money, but he didn't have any money penny. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, no, I don't good, know good, old Billy Sullivan, good old Billy Sullivan, who might I add, died uh, of a, a hunting accident. Oh, a hunting accident. Imagine that. Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah. Kid shot him, who might I add, was a, a an avid hunter. It was not dark outside. Mm-hmm. And Bill Sullivan was wearing orange. <laughs> and dude got shot. You know, that makes me think, and this is a bit of a tangent, but, you know, like, you know, when you things that you heard about before you started seeing all the crazy covert <laughs> stuff our government did that you just never thought about. And I honestly have no thought about it right now, other than I'm suddenly remembering, you know, Dick Cheney shot somebody while hunting. Who did he shoot? Was he trying to kill that guy? <laughs> it makes you wonder. I don't know who he is, but like after hearing about all these people who have died 
through these ridiculous things. It makes me wonder now, whenever I hear about any government official or, yeah. or yeah. you know, getting shot, like, who did he shoot when hunting? I don't know. I forget his name. But, you know, he was actually shot in the head. So there's an, there's an excuse. It wasn't Dick Cheney shot in the head. He was the one that was shot during the Reagan assassination attempt. Wasn't he? James Brady also got shot by oh, Dick no. No, <laughs> sorry, no, 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 Goodness, no. They right. really wanted him dead. Oh my lord! I, I think I, I got shanked as well. No, yeah, that was a brain fart on my part. No, that I, that wasn't Dick Cheney. That was uh, that was James, John Brady or whatever his name was. Uh, it was something Brady. I forget. Yeah, yeah, Brady. I was like, man, it's like, yeah, they didn't manage to kill Brady then. So like, Dick Cheney had to take him out in the woods and shoot him down. <laughs> I don't want any part of well, you know, that. Hey, well, the other funny thing is, Steve. We'll get back to this too, and we get back to what we're doing, but. Bill Sullivan told his friends, as it documented, he's told his friends, he said, if I ever die, if I, if I get killed, mm -hmm. I will be killed like in the woods of some sort of a hunting accident. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he was, now that's a coincidence, I guess. But I mean, you know, it's like, really? <sighs> hey, we'll, we'll talk about that moving on too. There's many people that are going, yeah, I'm probably going to die. So <laughs> I'm making sure a enough, note. I'm making a note. I'm going to look into who did Dick Cheney shoot. <laughs> did he know anything about the JFK assassination? You never know. Uh, anyway, moving on. It may, it might've just been a friend who knows, but um, so uh, we were mentioning William Sullivan, the yes. director of FBI domestic intelligence operations from 1961 through 1971. He later said that quote, Hoover ordered the destruction of the note. I can't prove this, but I have no doubts about it. That was eh, his take hmm. on it. He, you know, he's also he's also was known for as being a real dick. William I mean, uh, Sullivan or J. Yeah. Hoover? No, well, both. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, William Sullivan. He, he was. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't deserve to die the way he did, but mm -hmm. he did he did say that's how he would be killed, mm -hmm. and he did say it would be a, a killing. <laughs> so, and the kid that shot him uh -huh. was a 16 year old avid hunter whose father, who was with him at the time, was the sheriff of the town. And guess where it was? Where New Hampshire. Oh, this is that guy. Yeah, the guy that sent me all that, that stuff about. That's the Bill Sullivan. Yes, okay. sir, Bobby. That's the one where I wanted to go down there and find out where his son is, where that Sheriff's son is, and yeah. ask the questions. Because I'll bet you people around that area, you know, have a lot to say. And when they had interviews with some of the people local around that area, they were like, there's no way he saw this guy as a deer. There's no freaking way. He it was pretty close to shot. here. Bill, it was pretty close to here. Didn't he, didn't he get like brought into um, DHMC? I thought I, I read. Sure. I think I read in the records that you sent me. I read down. You know, you sent me that link, and I read down into the details. I think he was brought into Hanover. Oh my That's, god! You know, that would be the awesome. HMC used to be. I'd love to. I'd love to go there and get the get the paperwork. But the thing is, is is um, the people around the area were like, "There's no way this guy was been. He's been hunting for like four years. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way. You know, and and he he did no time. He got his license taken away. His hunting license for like ten years. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and he's back out there doing it again. You know, he's the kind of guy I would like to sit down and try to, you know, try to talk to because there's never been an interview on that kid. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go and say, hey, you know, and if you're out there, bro, you know, let's ask him questions, you know. Let's yeah, but I don't want to interview him out hunting. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet like in a coffee house or something like that, coffee shop. <laughs> don't, don't wear an antler hat because you'll be in deep trouble. Yeah. <laughs> 
So in terms of the note, um, another one theory that some researchers, some JFK assassination, assassination researchers have is that, um, as you mentioned, they don't think it seems plausible that the FBI would have intentionally destroyed evidence that would have proven that Oswald was prone yeah. to violence. What yeah. they think seems more plausible is that Oswald was actually an FBI informant, as there has been some indication he may have been, and that he was trying to warn the Bureau about the assassination. And, uh, and so they, they say that would explain why the FBI was so concerned about the note and, and why they wanted it destroyed. What was the uh, what was the date on that note? Let's see. Um, they, There's a reason why I asked this. Um, let's see. Well, the note. I mean, when did he deliver it? It was only a couple. Yeah. It was only a couple of weeks before the assassination, I think. If if that's confirmed, then then it might help to corroborate. Yeah, two to three weeks. The... Two to three weeks before the assassination is when he okay. dropped off the note. So I wonder, again, I'm, I'm throwing spitballs here because I know of a, a, um, a version of the assassination that I kind of am leaning a little bit towards that says that, yes, the CIA and the FBI knew about this and they sent a task force to Dealey Plaza mm -hmm. in order to thwart this particular assassination. It was like good guys against the bad guys kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So they went there, and I guess, according to what I've learned, they, they had horrible communication. And they couldn't get there, and they couldn't get scrambled enough in time. And that's why you saw people with radios. You saw people walking away from the, you know, the scene, people jumping in cars and yep. getting away. They say that this, this, they already knew about it, so they sent that in, and, they and that Tippett was part of uh, – he was part of the, the people that were going to pick up the uh, actors who were in the covert, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and they were going to take them to Love Field and fly him out. Uh -huh. Okay. But it was, and I guess that they say that Oswald was part of that. Oswald found out about it, told, you know, Hosty about it in a note. Mm -hmm. So they made this task force, sent it out there. Tippett was part of it. Right. And then it backfired. Now, part of the reason why that they say it had backfired is they got there and, and they were in cahoots the people that were there were in cahoots with the mob. Now, you know, they say Roselli was there you know, as one of the shooters. Uh -huh. They went to Roselli and they said, okay, we're going to cut, we're going to call this off. And Roselli said, there's only one person that calls this off. And that's the man, Sam, the man, because mm -hmm. I guess Sam, the man was part of the reason, one of the reasons why this is all going on because of what happened with the Kennedys, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, and Robert, but the bottom line is they said, no, screw that. We're going to kill this bastard. And they did, you know, mm. so, and I guess, and if people are like, well, if, if that's the case, then why do they just, you know, shoot guns up in the air, you know, and make a diversion, right? Mm. Or anything like that. I mean, and when I, that is a valid question. Mm. Now, when I, I had the, the read the, or I heard the audio book and I read a couple of other things about it and they even admit that, yes, you know, they don't know, but they said, you know, it's okay to be a, 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 a Monday night, you know, uh, couch coach. Monday you know, morning quarterback. Yeah, Monday morning quarterback than, than, uh, than to have boots on the ground actually there when it's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you think you know, but 
Could it happen? I mean, it's feasible. I yeah. think people want to believe that. Uh-huh. You know, you want to believe that there's a force of good trying to go against the forces of evil, right? And it just didn't work, mm-hmm. you know, because then that would answer the question about why there were so many like fake secret service people around and, you know, all this other stuff. And they saw guys with radios and one, you know, one dude with, a, with a, an umbrella, you know, and all these people, you know, driving around the place in a white station or a gray station wagon. Or before. Of course, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But this is kind of what I mean. You know, it's 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 eh, so convoluted. That's a good point. I mean, it, it does seem like uh, why was all that? I mean, I don't know that I lean towards that theory yet, although there's a lot I still have, you know, yet yeah. to learn. I'm kind of leaving my mind open right now, although I have my own kind of thoughts. But sure. um but yeah, there is the question of why um, Why do they have to have all of that stuff going on? If it's just a simple, I mean, none of these things aren't always as simple as you no. think, but if it's just get a few shooters in there and take them out, why do you have to, you would want to have as few people there as possible, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, you want some course. people there to, to control the aftermath, I guess, but. Well, exactly right. And, and you know, and the thing, the thing, and the reason why I even do this, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, and if I've said it in many podcasts before, is like, I want to, investigate certain parts of this mm-hmm. you know and one is the guy that was up in the uh, above the train tower mm-hmm. that saw everything mm-hmm. he saw the cars come in he explained what they looked like one was a white sedan with a bunch of mud all over it with out-of-state plates and a guy with a radio in it driving around slow you know an hour and a half before this happened I'm like what the hell right what the hell you know they asked this guy to question this guy winds up being killed too right like everybody else goodness yeah yeah it's like it's like i would love to get to get down there and just go man i want to find all the footage i can and i want to hit like frame by frame and try to find that vehicle Mm -hmm. you know try to find where that vehicle is you know it's that would be just take so much time to do that stuff but you know oh horrible 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 yeah so man that one note all of this yep. discussion about a, a little scribbled note all these years yep. later. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the last thing we'll talk about in terms of the FBI and Oswald um, is um, Oswald's, I'm sorry, Hoover's potential or supposed involvement with Oswald. Um, so three years before the assassination, Hoover supposedly wrote a memo um, asking about Oswald's involvement with the CIA. So Hoover personally wrote a memo about Oswald three years <clears> earlier. <throat> um, and so it sounds like he was kind of asking about it, not like stating something. So it's just something interesting. Um, and yeah, so, well, you know, Hoover did say there was no mob, right? So maybe the mob wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> So that's really the the big thing. So do you have any thoughts about any closing thoughts about Hoover or about Oswald in the FBI? Oh, I, I think it's clear. We, we've talked about this over a few, you know, uh, recordings, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, circumstantial evidence is only circumstantial evidence. And so you have so much circumstantial evidence that it, it can't be circumstantial. Mm-hmm. <laughs>